our Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter number 39, Psalms 39, what a moment that's going to be. Uh, I'd rather see Jesus as my personal Savior than as the righteous judge. Uh, I'm glad that I know that I'm saved on my way to heaven, and uh, what a time uh, that is going to be. Uh, we're going to be in Psalms chapter number 39, I'm going to uh, read one verse of scripture this morning, and uh, it is a be a very simple message uh, but I believe it's a, a be a very needed message. Um, I, I, I believe that uh, you need to have scriptures that you constantly are referring back to uh, to keep you grounded, to keep you encouraged, to keep you um, uh, on the right track. And I believe this this is a verse this morning, and I might even preach out of it again this evening. Uh, that's one of my verses uh, that I refer back to uh, to kind of. Uh, get me, keep me in the right mindset. Uh, none of us are a good enough Christian to just do this thing without God. Uh, matter of fact, if, if it, it can be done without Him, it's not worth doing. Uh, but none of us are, are a good enough Christian to do, to, to do live the Christian life, uh, do the thing, to walk that we need to walk without God. And so uh, I want to stay grounded to those things. And so I want to remind us of some things this morning. Verse number 3 of Psalm 39, My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned, then spake I with my tongue. I want us to look at this verse and consider a few things uh, this morning, but I want to preach on things to meditate on. Things to meditate on. So Your thought life is so important as a Christian. Uh, what are we thinking on? And I know so many times our burdens and our heartaches and our obstacles... They demand our attention. If we're not careful, we'll spend so much time thinking on those things that we'll neglect to think on some things that we need to think about. So there's an important principle here that I want to establish uh, after we pray, and then uh, we'll get into some things uh, to, to think on. And uh, there's a whole long list that you could come up with, but I've got just a few this morning I want us to look at. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you'll uh, help us this morning. We've already been blessed by the Sunday school hour, we've already been blessed by the music this morning, uh, but we need the Word of God uh, to help us. We need the Holy Spirit of God uh, to instruct us. Uh, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit this morning would uh, just work in each and every heart and life, and most of all, if there's one here unsaved, may the Holy Spirit be the convictor this morning. May the Holy Spirit convict that one who is without Christ of their need of salvation. And Father, I pray for one who might be discouraged this morning, one who might be uh, weary and well-doing, maybe uh, may the Holy Spirit of God encourage them. And Father, in areas that we need convicting, uh, may the Holy Spirit convict us. May He be our teacher, our instructor. And Father, I pray that uh, Your will will be done this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there's a danger in the Christian life and something that is, uh, as I've pastored for several years now, been in ministry uh, over 20 years now, it's still hard for me uh, to, uh, to wrap my head around. It is a difficult thing to deal with as a pastor, and that is a hard-hearted Christian. Uh, someone who knows God, someone who I believe has been saved, but yet allows their heart to be hardened to the things of God. Someone allows themselves to have a hard heart, or they harden their heart, to God. Uh, God, if they're saved, God's never going to leave them alone. And God is going to do some things to try and break up that hard heart in order 
uh, for them to get their heart back in fellowship with Him. Uh, but there's the danger that I want to speak of this morning is not the hard heart, but instead is the cold heart, which is the step to the hard heart. I believe if we can stay as far away from the hard heart as possible, uh, we, have a less ch- we have a less chance of being hard-hearted. And, and friend, you don't want to be that hard-hearted Christian. But I'm afraid uh, we may have some Christians this morning, you would not say, Pastor, my heart has been hardened to the things of God, but I just, that the things of God just don't do anything for me. Well, friend, I would caution you this morning, and I would declare to you that you're probably a cold-hearted Christian, which you're just one step away from being the hard-hearted Christian. And I think we ought to be, be afraid of being cold-hearted. I, I don't get uh, upset when, when people respond to the, to the singing just like we heard. I think you ought to be concerned if it doesn't do something inside of you. You may not be somebody who would shout. You may not be somebody who would wave your hand. But if, if, if something like that doesn't stir your heart, you might have grown cold to the things of God. To the preaching of the Word of God. Well, I go to church, I just don't get anything out of it. Uh, that should terrify you. Well, I read my Bible and I just don't get anything out of it. I don't feel anything when I... Well, you're not looking for a feeling, first of all, but uh, you're, have you allowed your heart to grow cold? I am afraid of being cold to spiritual things. I am afraid of my heart not being moved. <clears throat> I am afraid of my emotions not being stirred by the truths of Scripture, by the reminders of what God has done for us. I don't want my heart to get cold. This world sees too many cold-hearted Christians, too many cold-hearted churches just go through the routine of having a schedule of services, and this is our our duty for the Lord to be there. No, I don't want to go to church where my heart is not stirred. I I don't want to be around spiritual things where my heart is cold to them. We need to understand, I believe, and I believe I'll bring it out in the the message this morning, that a cold-hearted condition can be prevented. First of all, we need to understand we all have a tendency to get cold-hearted. That is our tendency. That is just the way we are in our flesh and our imperfection. That's why you ought to be in church every time the doors are open because you're not too good of a Christian that your heart cannot get cold to spiritual things. That's why you need to have a personal walk with God so that on a daily basis that fire can be stoked and so your heart does not grow cold to spiritual things. We need to understand that we have a tendency to get cold to the things of God. It's a great danger for the church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church because we have seen God do so many things. We have seen God perform miracles. We have seen God save sinners. It, it, is, it, is, it is not uncommon for us to see someone saved. It is uncommon if we don't have to see someone saved. Uh, that, there's a danger, though, of just getting cold-hearted to those kind of things. This morning, I believe the principle in this scripture that I'll bring out this morning (coughs) would prevent us from getting cold-hearted. Notice what David the psalmist says. He said, my heart was hot within me while I was musing, the fire burned. 
I want you to notice that phrase and that word, musing. Musing can be defined as a period of reflection or deep thought. See, Pastor, I I wish I was like you, or I wish I was like uh, somebody uh, like you, where where you are always excited about the things of God, and you're always fired up about God. I I wish I was just like you, Pastor, and I sprung out of bed early on Sunday morning, and I was ready to, to, to charge charge church, and I was ready to get something out of it. I wish I was just like you and able to always be stirred by spiritual things. I'm not going to let the secret out. Uh, but I have flesh like you have flesh. So, Pastor, how, how, how we stay away from a cold heart, I believe the secret is right there. David said, while I was reflecting... Or in deep thought, while I was musing, the fire burned. I believe that the reason so many Christians get away from God and they harden their heart to Scripture, it's, 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 it's a thing that I cannot comprehend, but it's a heartbreaking thing to have actually have experiences of opening the Word of God to a child of God as they're fixing to walk away from God and saying, look at what God says in the Scripture. Look at what God says that you're violating. Look at what God says is going to happen. And for them to say, I know what it says, but I just don't care. Sad. Friend, I think we need to look at the fact that we our hearts get cold as something that should set off the alarm bells in our life. Before we get to the hard heart, we'll have a cold heart. And for us to have a cold heart means there's never a time we on purpose, we stop. We say, I'm just going to reflect on some things. I'm just going to think on some things. David sets a standard, sets an example for us. And so this morning... I want to give us just a few things. I have five things this morning that I've narrowed down uh, that I want to give us that we need to think on, reflect on, meditate on, uh, so that our heart would stay warm to the things of God. Number one, I I believe that we ought to uh, meditate on, we ought to reflect on the unchanging character of God. Micah, or Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, God declares, For I am the Lord, I change not. Aren't you glad you have a God that never changes? Say, Pastor, I'm frustrated. People change. Well, I, I am determined as a pastor, the pastor of this church, if God calls people away and when they come back to visit, it's the same old church that it's always been. Say, how discouraging, Pastor, my church has changed or my pastor's changed. And that certainly is a discouraging thing. But there's never been a time when a Christian can say, I sought my God and He's changed. I, I pursued Him and He has changed. Friend, we have a God whose character never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You ought to think about that once in a while. Well, I'm just not stirred by spiritual things. Have you thought about your God? Have you thought about how He is unchanging? He's a holy God. 
Boy, God is a holy God. That's why you and I ought to seek to be holy in our life. We ought to be seeking God, the things of God, for, for us to uh, be, be accepted into His presence. We have to be holy as well, and He is a holy God. God is never going to change in His holiness. He's a loving God. Aren't you thankful for that? Well, Pastor so-and-so, they, I, I, they just don't love me anymore. Where did they ever really love you? Well, 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 I did something, and, and I'm just afraid they're not going to love me anymore. My friend, you realize there's nothing you could do for God to say, I don't love them anymore? Pastor, you don't know what I've done, or you don't know, uh, and you, we can start saying, uh, let me name all of these horrible, vile things. I'm not going to say they wouldn't go unpunished, but let me tell you, there's nothing that man could ever do for an almighty God to look at them and say, I don't love them anymore. So really, it's not honest when we say, nobody cares, nobody loves me. Oh, we have a God in heaven who loves us, and that can never change. There's nothing you could ever do. Say, what about the Christian who has gotten cold-hearted? God still loves them. What about the Christian who's hardened their heart? God still loves them. What about this world and how God, there's nothing that man can do that would change the heart of God in not loving them Friend, on your highest of days, God loves you. In your lowest of valleys, God loves you. When you're close to Him, He loves you. When you're distant from Him, He loves you. Won't you think, say, I'm a heart, I just don't feel anything anymore. When's the last time you said, I just want to think about the fact that I have a God that never changes. This world may change, people may change, but I have a God. I'm never going to go and seek Him, and He's not going to be holy. He's always going to be holy. Oh, I'm never going to go a time when I might have been forsaken by man, but I can go to God and He doesn't love me anymore. You'll never just think on that. That ought to stir your heart that in all your failures, God still loves you as much as He ever has. I like this. God's a forgiving God. He's forgiven us of our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ, but even as a Christian... 1 John 1, 9 reminds us that if we seek forgiveness of God, He's quick to forgive us. Can, can, can I just say what is true of every, every one of us? After, after salvation, we've still needed the forgiveness of God. Not for our salvation, because we're not going to reach perfection until we get our glorified bodies in with Him. But aren't you thankful that after you fail... You can go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. You say, oh, pastor, I, I just seem to can't get victory over this one thing, and I fail, and I fail, and I fail, and I just seem hypocritical to go just keep asking for God's forgiveness. Well, you ought, probably ought to put some things in your life to prevent you from doing, but, but we do have those besetting sins that we just can't seem to get victory. Can I tell you, every time you come with a sincere heart and say, God, I am sorry, would you, would you please forgive me? God is very quick to forgive. He's an unchanging God. Well, God would never forgive me. You don't know the God I have. So, Pastor, I, I just, spiritual things just don't stir me anymore. Why don't you spend some time thinking about how God has forgiven you? Why don't you spend some time thinking about how God loves you? We don't deserve to be loved. And let's just be honest, some of us are harder to love than others. 
But with God, God loves each and every one. And that will never change. We ought to meditate on that. We ought to think of that. The second thing this morning I want to draw our attention to is this. I think we ought to think on His careful dealing with His creation. Matthew 10, 29, we're reminded of how not even a sparrow falls without God being aware of it. How much more is God aware of us than the sparrow? Friend, have you ever been a time in your life when you just felt like no one could understand what you're going through? You feel distant from, distant from all mankind. The burden is heavy. The heartache is real. You don't know how you're going to deal with the situation and you, with a heavy heart and grieving and difficulties come into your life and disappointment that you never saw coming. A friend, can I tell you this morning that God is careful in how He deals with His creation. He is aware of what you are going through. You say, well, what is God going to do about it? God's got it all under control. You just be faithful. You just press on. And can I, can I encourage you this morning as we keep our hearts warm to the things of God, won't you stop and just think backwards of what God has done in your life. And look back and say and see the hand of God and how He moved and put you in the right place at the right time to hear somebody tell you that Jesus loves you and He paid your sin debt and He would be your personal Savior. And see, you're far enough now to look back and say, oh, only God could have put me together with that person. Only God could have had me there that day to, to, to hear the gospel and to trust Christ. Oh, His careful dealing with His creation. How many times has God intervened in our life and now we can look back and say, oh, God kept me from something much worse there. God used that tragedy there to do this, and that was good, and this, that was good. Oh, He cares. And that's why when you're dealing with something today, you don't know what God is doing. You don't know how God is dealing. And He has promised us in the book of Hebrews that He will never leave us, never forsake us. There's never going to be a moment when God is not aware of your heartache, where God is not aware of your situation, and God is already, you have a need today, can I, can, I, can I encourage you, can I help you? God's already moving to meet that need. God is already moving to work in your life. God is already moving to work in that situation. Well, Pastor, how's he doing that? I don't know, but I just know I can look back and I can see God's careful dealing with his creation. If he knows what's going on with each and every sparrow, he knows what's going on with you. Think on that. My heart just doesn't seem to get stir like it used to, Pastor. Why don't you think on how God has worked in your life? God has worked in your past. God has worked in your family. Think on that. The third area I think we need to spend some time musing on or meditating on is the sacrifice of Christ. What Christ did for each and every one of us. 1 John 2, 2 tells us, And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's an interesting verse in the word propitiation means the appeasing of the wrath of the offended party. Or this verse means the atonement sacrifice offered to God to appease His anger for sin. 
See, God is a holy God. We've already talked about that, and we've celebrated that, and we're reminded of that. We're just sinners. It's our nature. Uh, you didn't have to teach. You, you didn't have to have, take a lesson on how to sin. You were born that way, and, and some of you, you, you had it down real quick. I mean, it was, we, we know how to sin. We have, we're sinners. We have a sin nature. God is holy, and sin angers God. Sin grieves God. That's why a Christian can never say, my sin doesn't affect anybody Oh, it certainly does. There's a holy God who gave you life and your sin offends Him. Your sin that must be dealt with and sin angers God. John 3.16 reminds us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Jesus, being obedient to the cross, shed His own blood. And not to go into it too much because of time... He took his own blood, and his own blood was offered so that God would be appeased. The only way God could be appeased for the sins of man was from the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're saved this morning when God looks at you, he doesn't see how vile you are. He doesn't see how wicked you are. He doesn't see everything in the past that God saved you out of. But the devil likes to remind you. Let me just say to all of us, it's not God reminding you of your failures. It's not God reminding you of what you were saved out of. Uh, That's not God doing that because God, once you trust Christ as your Savior, God sees uh, the blood of His Son. God sees that perfect account. Uh, You are washed as white as snow. And as far as God is concerned, you have the same record as His perfect Son. I want to think on that for a little while. You got to dwell on that for a little while. And what did you have to do? You just had to believe. You just had to believe that a God loved so much that He would send His Son. You may not understand it, but you believe the fact that Jesus was the perfect Son of God and paid your sin debt on Calvary. And You know you need a Savior and you know you had to have something or somebody to bridge between you and an offended God. And yet Jesus was willing to make that sacrifice in all of His perfection. In that moment, He became sin for you. He took your sin record and gave you His perfect record. Friend, you want to think on that for a little while. Well, the songs just don't stir me anymore, Pastor. Have you gotten away from your salvation? When's the last time you thought about how fast you were headed to a devil's hell and God stepped in front of you and the Holy Spirit of God convicted your heart and you realized you were a sinner and you just trusted God. And in that instant, in that moment, you were sealed under that day of redemption and God said, what sins are you talking about? I don't see them anymore, but I see a perfect record. I see the record of my son. Friend, you ought to dwell on that just a little bit. Well, pastor, the preaching doesn't stir me anymore. I've got some advice for you. Find yourself somewhere quiet. Put your Turn your cell phone off. Turn the TV off. Open the Word of God and just sit there and say, God, I just want to think about what it means to not have to worry about hell. And I'll never spend a moment there. And I want to think about what it took for me to have my salvation. You to send your perfect Son. Boy, I, I don't know, but if you've strolling that for a little little while, something just tells me this heart's going to stir a little bit. Go to the Gospels and read the account of the crucifixion. 
If you as a child of God can read through that and not be moved, read it again. I'm still not moved. Read it again. While I was musing, while I was meditating, while I was in deep thought or reflection, something began to happen. Friend, I believe we ought to do that with spiritual matters. I believe we ought to do it with the sacrifice of Christ in mind. Think about what God has done for you. Fourthly this morning, and I've got five things I'll give you today, but fourthly, it would see our relationship to God. I touched on it there with the, the third, third, third point of being a child, be, being, being saved, but our relationship to God. John 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. What you ought to think about once in a while is you're a child of God. You're His. You've been, if you're saved this morning, how many of you are saved this morning? You've been adopted into the family of God. Oh, I think think adoption is a wonderful thing and and, and, and I know many who have been, what a wonderful thing for somebody to say, somebody cares enough for me. When I didn't have anywhere to go, they, they adopted me. They, became, they took me into their family. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. But think about this. This is the almighty, perfect God. This is the creator of the universe. Saw us in our sinful nature. Saw us with nothing to offer. He said, I will adopt you through the, through the applied blood of my son. And we are a child of God. So how did that happen? The power of God is what made it happen. And I'm a child of the king. And this morning, you might have grown up in a home with less than ideal circumstances. You might have faced disappointment. You might have grown up in a situation that you would not not want anybody to grow up in and say, I have no fond members, uh, fond memories of, of a family member or of a father friend. If you're saved this morning, you've got the greatest father of all. That is our heavenly father. And God chose to be your father. And you are a son of God. Hey, are you a son of God? Are you a child of God today? Then why don't we put a smile on our face? You ought to get excited about that. That God wants us to identify and belong to him. We think about how God has received us. God has adopted us into His family. And can I just interject? Uh, don't embarrass your Heavenly Father. Oh, we, we see this and, and you, see all, you see all these kids running around here. And, we, and what do you know what we do? We judge parents by how their kids act. Which isn't fair, by the way. Those little boys running around here, they're not the first ones to be labeled headed to the penitentiary. Hello, I grew up here. Uh, Not the first ones. Now, if you're going through Walmart and judge all you want, I mean, that that is a a free to judge, though. Uh, We judge them by, uh, well, uh, their parents. 
And we say to our, to our kids, now, we're going to go out. We've been invited out for dinner, and, and you better behave, and you better not say that word you heard your mother say. I mean, you better, you better, you, you better, you better not embarrass us. You better, and oh, the first thing, some of the, some of the advice I give, the most common advice I give to parents that have small children, don't punish out of your embarrassment. Don't even consider how you're going to be embarrassed by how your child acts. That, that, that cannot enter into the equation, but no parent likes to be embarrassed. My child said what? My child did what? Acting like their mother again. I mean, my child, my child did all of those, all those things. Don't embarrass it. Don't embarrass us. But friend, we ought to start thinking, I'm a child of God. I don't want to bring any reproach to my father's name. I don't want to embarrass him in any way. And this world is looking and they're judging our heavenly father by how you and I act and how you and I respond. We ought to want to be good. After all, he adopted us. After all, we didn't have anything to offer to him, and he sent his son to pay our sin debt. I belong to him. If every man forsakes me, if everyone turns on me, they can't change who my heavenly Father is. And I just, I just don't get moved by the, the, the church anymore. I just don't get moved by the preaching anymore, Pastor. Will you define yourself a quiet place? And think about how God has saved you and put you in His family and you are a child of His. Fifthly and finally this morning, we ought to think about our future. John 14, verses 1 through 3, the whole chapter is such a, such a great chapter. We'll get to it on Wednesday night eventually. We're reminded of how Jesus is telling His disciples going to prepare a place for them. A place called heaven that has many mansions. He says, if I go, I will come again. And as a child of God, isn't it wonderful to think that Jesus is coming for each and every one of us? One day, the trumpet's going to sound. And he's calling all those who remain home. But if he tarries his coming, we'll pass through that portal of death and it'll be Jesus himself who escorts us and says, I'm done with your mansion. Your home awaits. Your father beckons. Oh, friend, nothing moves me anymore, Pastor. I just, I just, I see everybody else getting excited. I just, well, you ought to think about your future. You ought to think about that heavenly place that God has prepared. And He hasn't, He hasn't uh, delegated it. He says, I go to prepare a place. See, Pastor, do you really take that literally, that Jesus is overseeing the construction of our, 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 our eternity? Absolutely. Jesus didn't send anybody else to personally to, to take care of our salvation. He personally attended to it. He's the only one that could satisfy the Father. He's the only one through His shed blood could, could cover our sins. And I believe with all of my heart that He is overseeing the, pre the preparation for all of God's children to come home. Well, I'm discouraged and I'm 
facing obstacles and I'm facing uh, circumstances. Friend, you ought to find some time to just think about heaven, dwell about heaven, and then to remind yourself of what you did to get it. You didn't earn it. You didn't inherit it. You trusted a, a, a perfect Savior because of a loving God who loved you enough. Well, you ought to think on that. This is not permanent down here. We are pilgrims. We are just a passing through. So where are we going? To a place that the human mind cannot even comprehend. But let me tell you what I do know about it. Our Savior is there. I do know that I'll leave behind this old flesh. I do know that I have loved ones there that I'll see again. Well, I can't explain every detail because our minds could not understand every detail. But, oh, I don't have to know every detail. There's enough I do know that I can think on, that I can dwell on, I can look forward to. You know, and I think we ought to consider these things. I think it is good, this lifetime that we live in, for you, as, as, as the younger you are, to think about uh, a future one day and investing for your future and preparing for your future. As a young couple, don't go out and try and live like somebody who's, who's been work, in the workforce for 30 years. You ought to say, why? Because for the future... Friend, I think a Christian ought to live the same way. I think we ought to think about our future. and What am I going to lay up over there? And What am I going to put over there? And I want to think about it. And then, then times of our, our discouragement, think about heaven, and I'm never going to have to deal with this again once I get the glory. I'm never going to be disappointed again. I'm never going to have, carry a burden again. And think about it and dwell on it. Can I tell you, it helps me to think about that place and imagine what my mansion is going to look like. You say, uh, Pastor, what have you... It's none of your business what I've designed, but it's pretty grand, and it's pretty exciting. You say, you think it'll reach those expectations? Oh, no, I don't think it will. I think it will be beyond my expectations, how wonderful heaven will be. Well, I'm just, I'm just not excited about spiritual things. You ought to be afraid of having a cold heart. You're a step away of having a hard heart. When you have that hard heart, God has to do a lot to, to break it up so that you're willing to hear His voice. Well, I don't want to be there, Pastor. Why are you satisfied with your cold heart? Because you're a step away. The truth of the matter is, sin will take our fire away. Sin will make us cold-hearted. If you have a sin you need to deal with, deal with it. Confess it. Make it right. Get right with your God. Pastor, I'm just discouraged this morning. Well, I think David has given us a good pattern. There's just some things that we ought to think about from time to time. Pastor, the burden is heavy. I can't remove your burden. I can pray for you. I can be there for you. I can give you as much advice possibly as I possibly can, but I can't remove your burden. So what, what, would I, what should I do? Oh, won't you think about the day? I mean, that, you'll have no more burdens. 
You'll have no more heartaches. Well, Pastor, somebody I loved and somebody I invested in, they fell by the wayside. They turned on me. They, they did all those things. Oh, think about the day when every relationship was going to be right. Well, I'm just giving up. Everybody just see, no, 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 everybody's not, first of all. I want you to think about the goodness of God. I want you to think about the graciousness of God. And I, we would be amazed if we knew everything that God has kept us from, that we have no idea that God has kept us from. Just think about how good God has been. And I belong to Him. And, and if, if, if I have a, a new burden that, that comes on the scene tomorrow, I've got an unchanging God that still loves and still cares. And He's still capable of sustaining me in my darkest of hours. We need to think about some things. First of all, so that our heart stays hot. If your heart's cold this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know. What should I do? I think if you just did what I preached this morning, I think you'd be okay. I think you'd be okay. Because part of a Christian's attraction to the world is forgetting what God has done. Don't forget what God's done for you. We often focus because our problems demand our attention. We often focus on that which we don't have an answer to. And if you focus on your burdens and you focus on your problems, you focus on your obstacles too much, you're going to forget that you've got a God that's bigger than all that. So what should I do? I'm just being pretty transparent this morning. Let me tell you what I do. When I feel it all closing in, I go find me a quiet place. And I shut it all out. And I'm, I'm not going to think right now about how to solve this problem. I'm not going to think right now about how I'm going to get through another day, another week. I'm just going to think about how good God is. I'm just going to think about what God has done in my life. Well, if everything else, if I lose everything, there's one thing they can't take from me. My salvation. Well, if I lose everything else, it can't change who my heavenly Father is. Well, they, they can take all these things and huh, let me tell you, who are you going to go tell about it? It'd do some of you good if you quit putting all your complaints on social media and just say, you know what, God, I want to think about you for a little bit and think about what you've done. Think about who you are. You gotta be afraid, Christian. You gotta be afraid of that cold heart. As soon as it creeps in, I've got to stop. I've got to think on some things. I don't think it'll be too long when you think about the goodness of God. The fire's coming.